Carlos Ray Norris grew up in extreme poverty with an alcoholic father who moved him 16 times in his first 15 years of life. But his mother was a devoted Christian and made sure wherever they lived that they went to church. As a young teen, uh, Chuck Norris put his faith in Jesus Christ, and later in life, he rededicated his life to the Lord at a Billy Graham Stadium event. Norris eventually joined the Air Force, and while he was stationed in Korea, began to learn martial arts. There, he earned a 10th degree black belt in Tang Soo Do, and became the first Westerner ever to earn an 8th degree black belt in Taekwondo. And Norris fought his way up the ranks to become the six-time uh, karate champion, professional karate champion, and ultimately became a worldwide action figure hero, right? But though Chuck Norris is a man of strength, he is also a man of peace. And one incident that I came across reflected the way he, he turned conflict into peace. So he was in a Dallas sh shooting Walker, Texas Ranger, and he went out for some lunch at a bar and grill in the area where, where they were shooting, and he had ordered his food, and this customer walked into the bar and grill and walked up to him and said, hey, you're in my booth, move. Chuck Norris nodded his head and moved to another booth. When he sat down, the customer realized who he had just spoken to. And so the customer came up to Norris and said, oh my gosh, you're Chuck Norris. You could have kicked my butt. Why did you move instead of fighting me? And Chuck Norris said, and I love this, he said, and what would I have really accomplished? You see, Chuck Norris, I think through his faith, realized that as strong as he was physically, it was even more significant to have inner strength. And with that inner strength, he turned conflict into peace. And people who thrive learn how to do that. They learn how to turn conflict into peace. And City Church exists to help you thrive in life. I believe with all of my heart that you don't have to settle for mere survival. I believe God created you to thrive, and you can thrive. And the reason we're studying the teachings of Christ is I believe that in the teachings of Christ, we find the pathway to thrive in life. And a huge part of thriving involves learning how to turn conflict into peace. Now, in this life, people will wrong us. People will hurt us with actions, with words, and people will offend us. And the world tells us that the way you respond when somebody hurts you is to hurt them back. When somebody offends you, offend them back. But retaliation normally escalates the conflict and it drains more peace from our lives. So I want to ask you a question. Are you easily offended? Can people get under your skin pretty quickly? I mean, how do you handle uh, when somebody at work, you know, takes a dig at you? How do you tend to respond to inflammatory tweets or to uh, disparaging Facebook posts? Come on now. Are you the kind of person who adds fuel to the fire of conflict or, or do you defuse it? I want us to look at what Jesus said 
about this certain aspect of thriving in life, about what to do when somebody offends you and how to respond because the way you respond will either allow you to live with peace or it will steal your peace. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, where Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. So what's Jesus talking about here? Jesus' words, uh, he's quoting a certain a teaching from the Old Testament law that dealt with retribution when somebody accidentally hurt you physically. And the intent of the law was to, to make sure that the punishment was fair, like that you didn't overexceed the actual hurt that was done to you. And so the, the law was trying to limit, right, harm. So it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And so it, the, the, the meaning was to limit it, but what people had done by Jesus' day was to say, oh, good, I can get the eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It was retribution, and that's the way they viewed it. But what normally happened in the Old Testament law was if somebody hurt you physically, accidentally, an unbiased judge would levy a certain financial payment to recompense you for your harm. Now, in Jesus' day, like in ours, people often wanted retaliation when they hurt, uh, when they got hurt. And the thinking goes like this. If someone hurts me, it's my right to hurt them back. And those who live by this philosophy assume that the way you deal with some of the pain that somebody else causes you is to cause them pain back. And that somehow that settles things out. But wise people recognize that equal pain adds to pain rather than decreasing your pain. Now, Ibn Saud was the king of Arabia from 1932 to 1953. And he realized the destructive nature of retaliation-oriented justice. So he tried to convince his people not to demand an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Well, one day a woman came to him asking for justice. There was a man who had climbed a, a date palm tree and was picking dates and he accidentally fell out of the tree, landed on her husband and killed him. And so now the woman wanted that man's life for her husband's life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, life for a life. And King Sal tried to dissuade her from demanding this kind of justice, but she insisted, an eye for an eye. And so King Sal said this, while it is your right to ask for this man's life, it is my right to determine how he should die. And I decree that this man should be tied to the bottom of a date palm tree, and you shall climb that tree and jump down on him until he dies. Yeah, the widow quickly changed her mind about justice. <laughs> Retaliation-based justice means everyone gets hurt. Now, instead of retaliation, Jesus calls for his followers literally not to resist an evil person. So what, is, what does that mean? To resist is when you set yourself against someone. And so here Jesus is calling us not to set ourselves against an evil person. Or in other words, don't respond to evil with evil. Don't do to the other person what that other person has done to you. Why? Because if we pursue retribution, we will escalate the conflict. We will drain peace from our lives. And that does not help us thrive. Now, next, Jesus applied this principle. 
All right, so he's trying to teach this principle to people to help them thrive. And he applies this principle to three situations in his day where, where conflict often got escalated. The first is described in the last part of verse 39. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. So what is Jesus addressing here? Uh, in Jesus' day, I mean, obviously, if you hit somebody on the, the, the right cheek, you would hit them with the back of your hand. He's not talking about someone taking their fist and punching you. He's talking about slapping someone across the face. And so in Jesus' day, that was a way of publicly offending a person. It, it'd be like, have you ever seen those movies like from like the 1700s when men wore gloves and they would take a glove off and, you know, slap a guy in the face? Okay, you need to watch more movies. They, they really do have scenes like that. Anyway, the point was not to hit somebody or hurt them. The point was to offend them. Or it'd be like if you're driving down Bandera Road and you accidentally cut someone off and they gave you that unpleasant hand gesture. Okay. It's about a public offense and how you respond. And what Jesus is saying, don't respond to an offense with offense. Don't respond to evil with evil. Turn the other cheek. You do that. And you will live with the kind of peace that comes from within that will make you thrive in life. So when I think, when I think about turning the other cheek, I think about an African-American friend of mine. After serving for decades in the Air Force faithfully, he ended up working in, in nursing homes, managing the whole property and all of the, the staff. And there he was slapped in the face Numerous times with racial slurs and some offensive hey boys. And I asked him, I said, how did you keep yourself from retaliating? How, or just quitting? I mean, you know, or maybe even just smother one of them old geezers or something. <laughs> how did you handle it? You know what he told me? He said, I determined I was going to treat people right no matter what. And I'd outlive all of those people. And that's just what he did. And my friend lives with an inner strength because he learned how to turn conflict into peace. And that's allowed him to thrive in life. People who turn the other cheek turn conflict into peace. There's a second situation Jesus mentions in verse 40. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Okay, so what's he talking about here? In Jesus' day, tip, uh, people typically wore two pieces of clothing. And they had the shirt, which was like almost like a long underwear kind of thing, was the undergarment. And then they had the coat or the robe, which was like a, a loose-fitting one-piece robe. Okay, and so by law, a person could take your shirt as collateral for a loan. And, and of course, I started thinking about the implications. Of, okay, who would want my dirty underwear as collateral for a loan. I don't even get it, but that's how it worked in Jesus' day. And what Jesus said to do is actually quite humorous. He said, look, if somebody asks for your shirt, like they, you, you've gotten into a loan and your dirty underwear is the collateral and they, and they want you to pay it and you're not ready yet, don't just give them your shirt. Give them your coat as well. And of course, what's humorous about that is that means you would have nothing on now, Jesus is using a hyperbolic expression to say that if someone is pursuing their rights, don't go to court with them. 
Try to avoid getting into little lawsuits. If you go to court, those proceedings may steal your peace and more than just your underwear. Now, at this point, I want to pause and say something about lending money uh, to people. Lending money has created enormous amounts of animosity between people, even between family members. So if I could quote the great theologian Judge Judy on this one, <laughs> who says, the best way to lose a friend is to lend him money. Now, don't get me wrong. There is, there is nothing wrong with lending a person money. In fact, the Old Testament of the Bible encourages us to lend money to poor people, right? In times of need, to lend them money to, to help them out. But it's the way we view the money we lend that can mess us up because it, it can escalate conflict and steal peace. If the person is unable to pay, it's all in how we view the money. You know what I found? Sometimes when you lend someone money, if they're unable to pay it, you can either live with tension and anger and animosity, or you can choose to, to be a giver instead of a lender and just let it go. Remember, the goal is not to get you more money. The goal is for you to thrive in life, right? And that's what Jesus is focused on. Jesus is teaching us how to thrive in life. Now, uh, the, let's see. Okay, I'm sorry, lost my place. So I'm, now, the third, the third example Jesus gives is in verse 41, and he says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. So again, what is Jesus talking about? Well, in Jesus' day, by law, a Roman soldier could force you to carry their load one mile at any time, which was 1,000 steps. And the, the Jewish people that Jesus lived among hated to be treated like slaves like this. And so whenever they were forced to carry the load of a Roman soldier, they would count the 1,000 steps and then drop the bag. Like, in, you know, like passive-aggressive animosity, you know, ah. And so Jesus said this. If someone asks you to carry a load for one mile, carry it too. Shock them. Surprise them. That's how you turn conflict into peace. Now, here Jesus surfaces what happens when a person with, in authority over us makes demands that we don't like or that we feel aren't fair. And Jesus shows us that how we respond will either escalate the animosity or we can turn it into peace. And so I want you to think about people who have been or are in authority over you. You know, parents, grandparents, coaches, bosses, teachers, police officers, government officials. Okay, how do you tend to respond to them when they tell you to do something, especially if it's something you, you may not agree with, or you may not think is fair? Do you tend to bow up when people assert their authority over you? Do you show disgust just so that they can know you don't like it? Do you do the least possible just to spite them a little bit? Instead of bowing up, Jesus calls us to bow down. And he says, instead of going one mile, go two. And here's what happened. You do that, you'll, you'll remove the conflict and you'll increase your peace. And isn't that what you really want? Don't you want to thrive in life? 
Well, Jesus is teaching us the path. When we deflate animosity by turning conflict into peace, it is what helps us thrive in life. And so I, I want to, as your pastor, I want to address some practical issues that surface from this particular part of Jesus' teachings because I think these teachings have been greatly misunderstood and misapplied by many well-meaning believers. And so I want to address what Jesus is saying here and what he is not saying here. So first, let me address what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying you cannot defend yourself physically if somebody attacks you physically. Turning the other cheek is dealing with personal offense, not self-defense. Okay, you understand the difference. If someone attacks you or a loved one physically, you have the right to defend yourself or that loved one or, or someone even on the street. That is not what Jesus is addressing here. He's addressing personal offense not physical self-defense. Okay. Secondly, Jesus is not saying you cannot go to war if you are in the military. Again, turning at the other cheek is dealing with personal conflict between two people, not international conflicts between nations. In fact, military personnel, ever since the movement that Christ started began, have been a part of the family of God and in fact, you may not know this, but one of the very first non-Jewish believers and followers of Jesus was a Roman officer, army officer named Cornelius. Jesus is not addressing military actions. Third, Jesus is not saying you cannot sue someone who wrongs you. Turning the other cheek does not mean you can never go to court. But it does mean that there are some situations where it's better not to. Weigh the, the amount of peace that's going to get sucked out of your life if you pursue this litigation and just ask yourself the question, really, is this what I want to do? Do I want to go down this road? Because remember, Jesus is teaching us a way to keep the peace and to turn conflict into peace. And what I would say is if you do feel like you need to go to court against someone, like I said, there's not, nothing wrong with that, but you make sure your heart is right that your heart is right, you know, as you're thinking about the, the situation that you're going to get into litigation about, and make sure your heart is right with the other person. Whether the other person's heart is right or not is irrelevant. You make sure your heart is right. Finally, Jesus is not saying to avoid conflict. We've said many times that it is dysfunctional to avoid conflict. In fact, the strongest relationships around are relationships where people learn how to go through conflict and resolve them in healthy ways. The key is to resolve conflict in uh, productive ways instead of destructive ways. Well, if Jesus is not saying any of that, then what is he saying? Well, don't miss what's obvious. Jesus is saying, don't be so easily offended. Jesus is saying we should value relationships over our rights. He's saying we should value peace over our honor. And Jesus is saying, man, don't, don't get embroiled in little lawsuits that just suck the peace out of your life. And I think Jesus is saying not to let money or possessions ruin relationships. I've seen families absolutely destroyed because of money. And that's just sad. It's so sad. And Jesus is saying, please don't do that. Jesus is saying, 
We should learn to let things go and turn the other cheek. But you know what? Only people with inner strength can do that. Only people with inner strength can turn conflict into peace. And that's what Jesus is challenging us to do. And so I want to end with a, a story that I hope will inspire you to turn the other cheek. Lizzie Velasquez uh, lives in Austin, Texas, and suffers from a rare disease that causes her not to be able to gain weight. And so she, she looks different. When she was 17 years old, she discovered a video on YouTube that declared her the world's ugliest woman. And that video went viral worldwide, making the offense worldwide. But instead of retaliating, Lizzie found the inner strength to turn the other cheek. This is uh, Lizzie being interviewed by a news reporter from Australia. Take a look. Now, Lizzie, can you just give us a bit of an idea about who you are and what life's been like so far for you? Yeah, so I'm Lizzie and I'm from Texas. I was born with a rare syndrome that doesn't allow me to gain weight and it causes me to look different. Um, so throughout my younger years, I had to deal with a lot of bullying and I was introduced to the world of cyberbullying at the age of 17 through a video on YouTube. Um, someone posted it calling me the world's ugliest woman, which of course crushed me. Um, in the process of picking myself back up from that, I sort of realized that in order to turn it around and not let all of those people define me as a person, I, need, I needed to be able to learn how to accept myself. And in the process of that, I was able to be introduced to the world of motivational speaking and writing and now my documentary. What sort of steps did you have to go through to get to that point? I think the first thing would be accepting that the process is not going to be easy. I wouldn't sugarcoat it. It's going to be hard. And I think if you accept that and accept the challenge of saying that I will work as hard as I possibly can to overcome whatever it is, then that's definitely the first step. The second step would definitely be forgiveness. The power of letting go allows you to move on. I think hurt people hurt people and mm. keeping that in mind. When I was younger and we'd be out in public and there would be times where people would stare at me or make me feel uncomfortable, I would instantly want to be angry. And my dad would always remind me that we don't know what that person is going through in their lives. And for that, we can't judge them and we can't be angry because they might not know how to express whatever they're feeling in a nice way. And so he would always say, we have to pray for them, that they'll be able to hopefully find a way to channel whatever, whatever it is they're going through. And I think the third piece of advice would be to not give up and know that you're strong enough to get through whatever dark cloud it is that you're going through. You just have to be willing to know that it's not going to be easy. You have to be ready to forgive and you have to believe in yourself. Isn't that a great story? Yeah. Lizzie found the inner strength to let it go so she can move on. And you can too. That is how you thrive in life. And uh, we're, not, we're not one of those theoretical churches around here. 
we, we practice what we preach. And so I'm going to ask you in the next moments to let go of, of an offense, maybe that somebody has spoken against you or done to you. So will you bow with me in prayer? And I'm gonna ask you a question before we begin this, begin this prayer. Is there a person or are there some people that have offended you? Maybe in your family, maybe at work, maybe at school or in your neighborhood. Yeah, the one that came into your mind just now. That's the person I want you to forgive and to pray for. So Lord Jesus, in your presence, we, we wrestle with this teaching. We admit it is challenging. It's so counterintuitive to what our gut tells us to do. But we do believe you. We do believe that this is how we can thrive in life. And so we choose to let the offense go. And so I want you to speak the name of that person or those people and just say, God, I let it go. Speak it as an act of faith. And now I, I want you to forgive that person or those people. Just say, God, I forgive them. God, I forgive them for what they said. I forgive them for what they did. And God, I pray for them. Would you say a prayer for the person who hurt you? Would you pray a prayer for the person who offended you? Just maybe one sentence. And Lord Jesus, my, my prayer for us as a church is that we would honor you as we turn the other cheek, as we seek to turn conflict into peace. Let our actions not only make our lives better, but let our actions make our families better, our workplaces better, our school places better, our communities better. Lord Jesus, we thank you for showing us a different way. And we ask you to give us courage and strength as we choose to live your way. And I pray that in response, you would cause us to thrive. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.